Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome. CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Good show for you today. Ethan Sherwood, Strauss, former ESPN NBA reporter, will join us to talk about all things NBA, direction of the Knicks, uh, the Nets now that they get Kyrie back. We'll spend plenty of time on that here in the open. So excited to have Ethan on. He's uh, he's great. If you're not familiar with his work, he's, uh, he's incredible. So excited for that one. Uh, not much going on locally tonight. Nets are off. Knicks are off. Knicks won last night in Charlotte. Eight-point underdogs won the game and won it uh, convincingly by 15 points. Nets uh, lost in Memphis without Morant. I hadn't realized you know, the, the Grizzlies' record without Morant is actually a lot better than you would think. I think 13-2. and two, So a uh, high-scoring game. Nets lose to the Grizzlies. Were down big. Came all the way back. Rallied. Tied it. I think took a brief lead uh, before they ended up losing. But a good day overall for the Nets, and that's what we'll start here as Kyrie Irving is now cleared uh, under the new updated mandate in terms of the vaccines. Finally, we can stop talking about it. Uh, If you missed it yesterday, all unvaccinated players are now allowed to play in in New York. Uh, It's been updated, I guess, for athletes and performers. So that means anyone on the Yankees, anyone on the Mets, they're good to play in New York. Uh, is it a coincidence that opening day is next week or next week or two? Probably not. Probably had something to do with it. Uh, but the Nets, look, now this is about as whole as they're going to be. Maybe you get something at Simmons. Maybe you don't. But uh, I think it was a legitimate question. Could you win the title with Durant and even Kyrie for just road games? I think Durant's that good. Uh, I just think Durant's that good. I, I think that was a legitimate question. Now, with Kyrie for all the games, now look, he still can't play in Toronto, and that might be the first playing game, so you got to work around that. Not ideal, but not the end of the world. 
um, with with Kyrie for you know pretty much all of these games with Durant healthy. Nets are probably the best team in the East, right there with Milwaukee. Now, uh, are they the favorite? Should they be the favorite? They are at Bet Rivers. They are plus five fifty to win the title. They are plus two fifty to come out of the East. Now there is a, a little bit of a difference between being the best team and being the favorite. I think. Look, you can tell me they're the best team. I'd still maybe go with Milwaukee. But in terms of being the favorite, I just can't put them there just because of the playing scenario. Now, again, it's not really anything you have to worry about now, especially with Kyrie being able to play the home games. Worst case, you lose Toronto. You'll beat the Hawks or the Hornets at home, you would think. You would think. But again, that that seeding issue, you know, having the extra playing around, that wear and tear, then having to play maybe Milwaukee in the first round, which would be, uh, man, similar to last year where, you know, they were probably the two best teams in the East and they met in the second round. That would be just incredible to have them play in the first round. Uh, and you're going to see, I think, the last week or two, some of these teams try to duck the one seed, try to duck the two seed, try to get into the three to avoid, um, you know, the Nets, because we don't know if the Nets are going to be the seven or the eight. Depends on which round of the plane they win. Uh, assuming they're the seven and the eight to start the plane, they win one game against Toronto, they become the seven. If they lose, then they win, then they're eight, the eight. You know, these teams, whether you're the Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, you don't know where the Nets are going to land beforehand. So you're going to have to, if you really want to avoid the Nets, maybe you avoid them, you, you move down to the three or try to manipulate your way down to the three altogether uh, to do that. But good news for the Nets. They get Kyrie back. They are going to be a formidable uh, postseason opponent. They'll probably be favored in any series they play. It'd be funny them coming as the eight seed being favored. You know, similar to the Lakers last year where it didn't work out for the Lakers, but the Lakers went into that series against Phoenix, I believe, is a slight favorite. You know, Nets-Milwaukee right now, it would be, you know, best of seven. Game seven would be in Milwaukee, so maybe Milwaukee's a slight favorite. But uh, the Nets are about as good as anybody here. Uh, Durant's pretty much the best player on the planet. You're going to get Kyrie, who's been incredible for the home games uh, now. Uh, you're going to get him, you know, full-time. So... It'll be interesting. He's been so great, so efficient. I've always thought he's a little overrated. Just, you know what, his teams, whether he plays or he doesn't, his team's records don't really ref reflect his value. Uh, it'll be interesting. I have to admit he's played great the last month or so. It'll be interesting, though, if he can maintain that, uh, having to play night in, night out. You know, there's some thought that, hey, the reason he's scoring 50 points, 60 points here and there is because, he, you know, he's only playing once or twice a week, so he's rested, he's fresh. You know, he didn't play the beginning of the year. He can come out, you know, with a with a full head of steam, sort of like a starting pitcher where, you know what, they're going to throw a lot harder if you put him, bring him out of the bullpen to just throw one inning once a week. You know, a guy come in, he usually throws 97, 98. He can come in for one inning and throw 100. Uh, that's kind of the situation, I think, with Kyrie. So it'll be interesting to see if that production uh, can sustain itself over, you know, a full workload, playing every night or every other, every other night uh, with the Nets here. So... Good day for the Nets. Good day for the Yankees and the Mets. They don't have to worry about, you know, home games. We can't have Judge. We can't have this guy. We can't have that guy. Uh, the issue here, for and I hadn't thought about it. I should have mentioned the other day when I was talking about Toronto. I still like them to win the East. Uh, I like them even more to win the East, the Blue Jays. You think about it. They have a rule where visiting uh, unvaccinated players can't play. We mentioned that with the Raptors. I hadn't thought about it for the Blue Jays. So not only are the Blue Jays immensely talented, but if you're the Yankees, and let's just say Judge, we don't know if he's vaccinated or not. It seems like he's not. Let's just say Judge is not vaccinated. So that's a lot of games. That's what, eight, nine games you're going to play in Toronto where Judge can't play. And, you know, multiply that over a full season. Toronto's going to have 81 home games here where visiting players who are unvaccinated can't play. That's a huge advantage for the Blue Jays. Huge advantage. They already have a loaded lineup, pretty good starting pitching. You know, bullpen maybe is a little shaky, but that's a loaded lineup and really good 
uh, a really good rotation. And if you're going to add the caveat that, look, the Aaron Judges and who else, who knows who's not vaccinated, can't play in Toronto in key division games, that's uh, that's an enormous advantage for Toronto. Toronto's plus 200 at Bet River Sportsbook to win the AL East. It's frustrating because it was plus 275 on Sunday. I never bet it. I was raving about how much I liked it. They're the best team in the division. Now they're plus 200. I missed the best number. So I think I still think plus 200 is a great number. I think they're not head and shoulders above anyone else in the East. The Rays are still really good. Won 100 games last year. Uh, the Yankees are still the Yankees. I, I don't think they have you know, that elite roster that you'd hope they'd have by adding a player or two in the winter. They didn't do that. But I'd st- you know you still got to put the Yankees in the mix with Cole, Judge, and Stanton. But I, I put the Blue Jays ahead of all these teams. And if you're going to add the bonus of visiting players who are unvaccinated, can't play, that that helps them even more. So, um, you know, the, the, breaking down the the betting aspect of this vaccine uh, shift here is, is interesting. The Nets, obviously, it helps. The Blue Jays, it helps. Yankees and Mets would have been a disaster to not have Judge for the home games. Figured something was going to get out, ironed out, you know, eventually, sooner or later. Uh, and yesterday, that sooner or later comes to fruition. So, uh, Yankees will be at full strength for the most part, at least for the home games, except for when they go to Toronto, uh, as the Nets will have Kyrie going forward as the playoffs here a couple weeks away. So Nets get a boost, like I said, plus 550 to win the NBA title, plus 250 to come out of the East. They'll have their shot now. Now, who knows what you get out of Simmons? Harden's obviously not in the mix. It's not the super team it was, you know, a year ago. Remember when they beat the Celtics and they made the Celtics basically look like a JV team in the first round? Uh, which is funny now with how good the Celtics look. It's not going to be that sort of Nets team where they just dominate and stomp their way you know, through these series, which they were going to do if they stayed healthy last year. It's not going to be like that for the Nets, but it certainly gives them just about as good a chance as anyone uh, to win the title. Again, you probably still favor the Bucs. I, I would favor the Bucs over them slightly, slightly just because I think they have the big three. I think they're a little more reliable on defense. You know, Middleton, Holiday, Giannis, they're all plus defenders. They won the title last year, so slightly into the Bucks still uh, to come out of the East. But Nets now at full strength. The Yankees going to be at full strength. So uh, that's the news yesterday in terms of the vaccine mandate. NCAA tournament back in action tonight. Nothing locally. St. Peter's starts uh, tomorrow night. That's a 7:20 Eastern tip or so. Uh, but we do have four games tonight as the Sweet 16 is underway. And it is, I'm pulling up the Bet River Sportsbook lines. Go down, go to betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Uh, Arizona and Houston. Arizona's minus one and a half, total 146 and a half. Villanova, Michigan. I think this is the first game tonight. It is 729. Uh, I should say this is the second game tonight at 729 as Gonzaga and Arkansas is the first game. But uh, Villanova's minus five over Michigan, total 135 and a half. Gonzaga, 709 tip. Gonzaga minus nine and a half now, total 154 and a half. Uh, and Duke and Texas Tech now a pick them fascinating game. Texas Tech's really good on defense. Duke's really good on offense. Uh, obviously, pros all over the place for Duke. Total 136 and a half. So those are your tournament games. I do like Arizona tonight, and I lean towards Nova. Uh, Arizona would be my only official bet on on the uh, on the games tonight. Bet Rivers does have some interesting odds boosts. I always like to get to these because look, you take value in any form you can get it, and Bet Rivers offers some good ones. Here's one I like. Uh, it's called All the Right Moves, and they spell the right with a W. I like that. It's clever. Uh, Villanova to win both halves and cover minus 5.5 versus Michigan. Yes is plus 160. So that I like that just because it's correlated. If you're going to cover the 5.5, uh, you're going to probably win both halves. So might, might as well take the plus 160 there. So uh, you checked out at Bet Rivers. 
Another one that's interesting, Duke to win versus Texas Tech and over 136.5 points. Uh, is, yes, is plus 265. Again, if Duke wins, uh, they're an offensive-oriented team. You know, you figure if Texas Tech wins, it's an under. If Duke wins, it's an over. Duke's an offensive-oriented team. They're probably going to have to play their style. So Duke winning and the over 136.5 is plus 265 at Bet Rivers. And then Arizona plus 240 to win and go over 145.5 versus Houston. So uh, those are some of the odds boosts at Bet Rivers. Again, go to BetRivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app. Uh, so good night tonight. You know, not much NBA in terms of locally, only a handful of games. Uh, Islanders are in action. They take on the Red Wings. Islanders minus 220. Total is six at Bet Rivers. But you got some NCAA tournament games tonight. You got them tomorrow. Before you know it, we got playoffs. Before you know it, we've got Major League Baseball starting. So uh, great time of the year. Really, really fun time of the year. All the sports kind of intersect, even NFL offseason as the NFL uh, continues to just dominate the headlines. The NFL draft here is what, a month or so away, not even. So. Uh, all the sports kind of intersecting at once. The hockey playoffs right around the corner. A fun time of the year. Good time to fund that Bet Rivers app uh, and make sure you got plenty of ammunition here to get your bets in. When we come back, Ethan Sherwood Strauss on the direction of the Knicks. Was Kevin Durant really headed to the Knicks a couple years ago? We'll get into that. The direction of the Nets here, who he likes to come out of the East. And I think he's going to give you a pick to win it all. That is next. This is the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. No more football? No problem. Bet River Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, and pro basketball, and more. Don't miss out on Bet River's many daily specials, or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast, with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. Get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, let's talk a little NBA with somebody I've been a huge fan of for years. He is the author of The Victory Machine, The Making and Unmaking of the Warriors Dynasty, formerly of ESPN, formerly of The Athletic, current Substack superstar where you can find all of his work at houseofstrauss.substack.com. One of the great writers on the planet, Ethan Sherwood Strauss. Ethan, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's such a nice intro. I was just thinking about, I just checked it, and I am number two in sports on Substack, which is a funny thing to brag about because you're not number one. I feel like it's the proper place for me to be to be succeeding, but you can't get too big. You can't get too big for my britches, right? I can't get too cocky. I think that's the right. That's the right. Uh, what's even the word I'm looking for? The right post. It, we're off to a great start, man. I'm doing fantastic. Who is <laughs> ahead of you? Um, I it's baseball with a cup of coffee. It's a okay. guy with two names that start with C. Um, I'm trying Craig to Calcutta or something That's, like that. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I know nothing about what he's doing. He could be, uh, he a couldn't genius. come on today. So we asked you. Ah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's up to. Maybe I should check it out so I can learn a thing or two and get on his level. Uh, I can't urge everyone uh, enough to go out and check what Ethan does, uh, on the Substack. It's really, it's incredible. It's, he covers all subjects. Uh, the writing is incredible. The subjects oh. are, are fascinating. So Go check it out. But 
we're going to drag you down to our level here because this is a betting show. And you come here with some street cred because Ooh. before the 2014 season, you picked the Warriors, the team you were covering, to win the title. And they were, what, 25, 30 to 1, and you picked them to win the title. I think you were the only one. So you come here uh, with a little street cred. So we're going to put you to work. Love it. And uh, I will try to do more bragging. Uh, just to try to establish even more street cred. I did a gambling column for The Athletic uh, for a good stretch over there until I gave it up because it's frankly too much work. Um, but it, it was successful. I won at, a, I think, around 57% rate with a pretty Ooh. good sample size there. And I thought to myself, uh, I could make money doing this potentially. It would just ruin my life. Uh, but I could do it. Theoretically, hypothetically, uh, the only issue is, uh, as I'm sure you know, you actually have to treat it like a job. That's the only real downside in order oh, to be good at it. There's no doubt. You don't just pick up your phone and say, oh, I'm going to take this team and then go about your day. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, I like there's their a lot of work that goes I like their jerseys. You know, I like this right. team's moxie. Like, No, you've actually got to observe closely and identify real market inefficiencies. Well, especially now in the NBA, I mean, you're, if you're making your bets this time of day, we're recording 1 o'clock Eastern on Thursday. I mean, look, the games don't tip off for another six, seven hours. You could bet, you know, the Sixers and then uh, Harden and Embiid are out, and then all of a sudden yeah. you don't have a good bet. Although, the, I don't know if you've seen the last couple nights, uh, Harden and Embiid were out Monday against the Heat. Didn't matter. They, they won easily. The Sixers yeah. did. And then last night, the Warriors, no Curry, no Thompson. They've been awful recently. What do they do? They go to Miami. They're 10-point underdogs, and they bury yeah. the heat. So it's uh, especially this time of year, it's as good a guess as anyone. Oh, yeah. And now you don't have guys getting held out with the protocols. I had Sharps, Sharps I know, who were saying to me, and I think I can say it now. They were saying, please don't talk about how we're cleaning up on these protocols. Like, please don't talk about how we're figuring out ahead of time which guys are going to be held out and just making massive amounts of money. Don't screw this up for us. I feel like that gravy train has stopped and you don't have guys who are just all of a sudden out because they've come down with COVID or had some sort of exposure. So at least that element of chaos uh, is gone from the system. You seem happier than you've been. Not that. Oh, yeah. I know, know you well enough to no, know you're, right. you're happy or unhappy, but you seem like you're kind of liberated. You can write about what you want to write about. Uh, yeah. And we'll get into some of your past posts here, but it seems like you're having fun with it. Oh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. it. It's I mean, one of the issues, one of the reasons why a lot of topics are avoided in media is that you are working for a corporation and often there's just this fear not even of whether what you said is so controversial, but there is an understanding of there be landmines there. And so to just talk about certain subjects, it, it seems like it requires an act of Congress. And this is at institutions that I feel good about and don't even dislike, but that is just the reality of when it's not just you, but you're working with a lot of other people. I love this setup where, hey, if I talk about a subject and a bunch of people get mad at me, then I'm the one who bears that brunt. I'm the one who absorbs any difficulty and I haven't put my boss in a difficult position and I have to worry about that. So it's just far fewer worries, no Zoom meetings, no Slack channel, none of this extra stuff. And I find that to be my favorite setup yet. Uh, like I mentioned, you, you come here with some street cred. Like I said, you you picked the Warriors to win it all back when. Boy, it's hard to believe that's eight years ago now. But back wow. when, they, they weren't the Warriors yet. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just it's flying wow. by. I mean, somebody referenced 2012. I forget. It might have been you know on this date in 2012, and it, wow, that's 10 years ago now. Yeah. It's uh, 
we're getting older. We're not getting younger. No, we are but, not. Uh, let me uh, let me put your 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 betting brain to work here. And uh, when you said you hit fifty seven percent, is that NBA just you know sides yeah. totals that kind of thing? Well, I was just picking lines. I, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't doing uh over, Yeah, yeah, I wasn't doing anything tricky, anything fancy. I found it easier. I found it easier to just um narrow just narrow it down, but I was uh yeah, it is fun to bet the other stuff. I last week for instance was in Tahoe during the beginning of the tournament. I can't reveal. I mean, I was with Nate Duncan who wasn't betting the uh, NBA podcast superstar and a friend of ours who I don't want to say he was gambling on games because he might have a job in sports media. It'd probably be okay to reveal it, but I don't know. And it was just fun being being around as he's betting all these other things that I never bet. I don't bet overs versus unders or any of that. I think it's hard emotionally to bet the uh, the point total under. I think that's one where Oof. even even if that is the right thing to do for so many of these college basketball games, it, you're just you're just rooting for things not to happen. And it's, it's, you're rooting for things not to happen and you're nervous the whole time, right? Because maybe there can be some sort of surge at the end that kills your bet. At least when you're betting overs uh, for the point total, you might clear that line and then you can just relax. And that's why I would find it very difficult to bet the under, even when it's the right thing to do. Yeah, there's a rule with basketball, specifically with the NBA. Uh, you can bet the under, just don't watch it because you'll just yeah. you'll you'll go out of your mind. And yeah, that's why people do bet the overs. That's why a lot of time there's value in the under because it's not fun to bet the under. It's fun to bet the over, whether it's football, you know, root for touchdowns, basketball, you root for points. So people bet the over because it's more fun. So that kind of jacks the lineup to the over. That's why there's kind of value on the under, even though yeah, you know, it's not a lot of fun to uh, well, you know, to watch to root for. I found it a little bit fun in the college basketball context because it almost becomes a comedy of errors and you're almost laughing at the teams for screwing up if you're some sort of snobby NBA fan. And then it then you can kind of get into it. You can go, ah, oh, look at these look at these screw ups, look at these bums, these kids. Uh, and then you can kind of get into the spirit. That's what was happening. Uh, when we were watching these college basketball games and my buddy was just crushing under after under. Yeah, it's the coaches too. I mean, I'm here in Connecticut and the UConn. Oh man, they just—I don't know if you watched them. They got upset. They won one high screen, and then they all just stand around and watch. Mm. And even Calipari, who's a great recruiter, I mean, they're up two with two minutes to go, and they're milking the clock like they have yeah. a ten-point lead with a minute to go. And they're just standing around. Nobody's doing anything. It's like, man, there's a difference. I mean, I, I know, like I said, he's a great recruiter. He's, you know, kind of a salesman, but just in terms of a coach schematically, there's just not a lot going on. Yeah, it, that one, it just seemed like he wanted to exert way too much control over the action. And that does seem to be an issue for a lot of college coaches where, hey, I, I've never coached D1 college basketball. What do I know? But they seem like it's almost more important for them to be in control than for them to win at times. And I started to get that sense with Calipari in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the NBA this year, it's a little different. We don't have that, you know, Warriors-type dynasty, that Shaq-Kobe dominant team. It's more wide open. I don't know, you know, what number of teams you would list that could actually win it all. I think that number is usually smaller than we might think, you know, two or three yeah. at most. This year, I don't know, six, eight, nine, depends, you know, how far down the list you want to go. Yeah, that, may be uh, gen that might be generous right there. That's a lot of teams. Yeah, but I'll just here. I'll read the odds team and let me know if anything uh, kind of pops out to you. Suns yeah. three to one. This is at Bet River Sportsbook. Nets plus five fifty. Golden State and Milwaukee are both plus six fifty. The Sixers are eight to one. Celtics, who have just been incredible lately, twelve to one. 
And then you go Utah 20 to 1, Memphis 22 to 1, Denver 25 to 1, uh, Dallas is 30 to 1. Yeah. We can probably stop there. We don't need to get yeah, to the I Bulls think, or the I think... Clippers. I think we covered it. Uh, anything in terms of that list? Anybody that uh, that I just named can't win it all. I mean, I, I would I wouldn't want to go so far as can't, but Warriors do seem overvalued, uh, which makes sense because they're a public team. But given the injuries, given how Clay has looked, and and Clay hasn't looked terrible, but he hasn't looked like Clay, which is a problem because Clay will shoot like he's the old Clay as often as when he was the old Clay. Um, which becomes a, a problem for that team because they have these young, growing talents who need the ball. Um, they just, I'm not saying they can't do it, right? Uh, it, it, it just seems like that that probably shouldn't be their odds. They probably, are they on par with Milwaukee? Is that the, uh, the odds? Even they're... with Milwaukee, yeah, plus yeah, 650. I, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't say that they're even with Milwaukee. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think the one thing is, you know, it, it's funny. I think we're about the same age. We grew up, you know, pretty much our whole life as fans. The West has been much better than the East. You know, there was that one year, I think the Suns had Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And who are all those point guards where they had high 40s and wins and couldn't make the playoffs? Like, the West is always much better than the East. I think it's kind of flip-flopped this year where the East is, you know, better and, and probably deeper. Yeah, yeah. I think that has been that has been a real shift, and that might be informing informing the odds and that's good for the league it's been it's been bad for the league that it's been so lopsided and um also probably not great for the league that the northeastern seaboard wasn't really getting in on the action as far as odds not odds go as far as great teams that could win it but now boston is a little bit interesting boston could be a dark horse and philadelphia is wonderfully talented and i loved the trade that they made as far as I mean, you're trading a, a guy who's not playing for a, an MVP candidate. It doesn't take a... I thought the media reaction to that trade was very curious, how they were almost acting like it was even. And I was thinking, it, it doesn't seem even to me. This doesn't seem like an even trade to me. I, I, I need to not just see Ben Simmons show up for work, but see that he can provide value in a playoff series when everybody is giving him the Tony Allen treatment. So... Um, yeah, I, uh, and to say nothing of the Nets, who are, of course, another team, although they don't really have much of a fan base who could win it. So this is the first year in a while that I can remember where the Northeast seaboard, where the population is concentrated as well as the American media, where there's a legitimate shot at winning NBA championships. You hit on something there with the Simmons and the reaction of the trade. And there's more to that with the, you know, the Harden, uh, you know, Harden for Simmons and then the Woj versus Windhorse. There's a lot of meat on the bone yeah. there. So why do you think the reaction was so pro-Nets? Now, I thought the Nets did about as well as they yeah. possibly could given the circumstances. You know, it was a weird kind of staring contest where the Sixers are saying, hey, you need to trade your guy. Nets are saying, no, no, you need to trade your guy. So there was a little bit of a stalemate. Uh, I did see it from both perspectives. But why do you think the reaction was to what was what it was? Yeah, well, let's look at it. One of the players, James Harden, did not have an agent. And the other player, Ben Simmons, was wrapped by one of the most powerful NBA agencies. That right there, I believe, explains a lot of the coverage and how this was handled. Because now media, I think, is comfortable diminishing the value of one player. Nobody's going to get in their ear about it. That's James Harden. Uh, versus Ben Simmons, where he's got a quite aggressive representation behind the scenes. And a lot of coverage, uh, especially in the NBA is tilted by agents and that's because a lot of the coverage in the nba at espn 
is devoted to breaking a story first. That's what they went all in on when they hired Woj. Uh, they were embarrassed that Woj was breaking the draft picks before their guys were. And so it was the sense of this is hurting our cachet. This is hurting our credibility. Let's pay Woj millions of dollars and have him staff uh, NBA ESPN. Um, so then you have newsbreakers, and that's what you're doing. You're breaking news, which – I mean, it's. I have to be careful here because I can't do what these people do. I would be a terrible newsbreaker. I have no illusions about that. So I'm not diminishing what they do on a skills basis, but I don't necessarily understand the value added because you're going to learn about these things later on after the trade has been made, after the free agency signing happens. And I, I do think that there are um, there are costs to it, right? There are costs to doing it that are hidden. And one of the costs is that in order to get the news first, you have to give the information brokers what they want. And so the coverage at ESPN, I think, has become anodyne. They shy away from criticizing uh, certain players. It's not hard to really see what's going on and to have an understanding that CAA is the agency that they are most favorable to at ESPN NBA because Wojnarowski is represented by CAA and a lot of other people at ESPN NBA are represented by CAA. And so they are in effect almost colleagues. So when they're reporting about certain guys, they will be handled with kid gloves. I know that will offend them. I know it will piss them off, and I'm sorry I see it, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it within the NBA that CAA-backed players get favorable coverage at ESPN. Everybody knows it. So this is corrupting your coverage. It's corrupting your ability to just call balls and strikes, and it's corrupting your ability to tell stories because now you're telling stories that the agents want you to tell versus maybe a more interesting angle right about why a player became great because they try to micromanage everything to justify taking a cut of the salaries and it was interesting to see it all play out when it came to uh the trade with harden and simmons it, there was more going on than just the agencies sean marks is a source for Woj. everybody knows that Woj has done well credit to him to get good sources with uh guys who went through the san antonio spurs spurs mafia and a lot of people in the league thought that he was trying to help Marks establish his leverage. Uh, and that's why there was this messaging that this trade is not going to happen. Marks is not going to trade Ben Simmons. Uh, he is holding – he's not going to trade for Ben Simmons. Uh, he's not going to trade Harden. He is holding the line. And it got crazy because all of a sudden you've got Woj stepping on his teammate, Brian Windhorst, when Brian says that this trade actually is going to happen. And then the next day, when the trade is obviously going down, you've got Woj on TV constructing this timeline where he was right to say it wasn't going to happen, but now all of a sudden it's happening within 24 hours. Totally absurd. I mean, Windhorse would have to be the luckiest reporter in human history to say a trade was going to happen that nobody was in discussion about and then have the trade come to fruition within a day. I mean... <laughs> It's complete absurdity, but these are the sorts of games and the tangled web that their media members are getting in because the priority is not to be accurate and it's not to be interesting, but it is to service agents and general managers and other sources so they can beat somebody else on Twitter. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's really fascinating because I think the viewer is just kind of, you know, unaware of what who's feeding them what and it's really until you know 
someone like you points this out again we're talking with ethan sherwood strauss check out all of his work at houseofstrauss.substack.com um we don't really know what we're being fit what we're being fed if it's true yeah. you know why we're being fed what we're being fed so there's really it's a game within the game that's kind of fascinating but my guess my follow-up would be how many of these can Woj, you know intentionally get wrong if that's what he was doing before it really you know steps on his credibility i don't know um when you are branded as number one that's a lot of cachet i mean how bad would harvard have to screw up to not be harvard to people right I mean, Harvard is this name. It's this brand. You you read about a lot of goofy stuff that that happens there, but it, it would be really hard for them to diminish that that branding. And Woj, credit to him, for years has done well to establish himself as the lead newsbreaker. Nobody would deny it. Um, but I think what the the effect of it is less about his own credibility and his own standing, which is pretty unshakable, and it's more the impact on their overall coverage, where fans might not know why the coverage has gotten goofy. They might not know why they're constantly being told that some star who's acting like a diva is actually the victim in a situation. The reason, by the way, is because an agent is trying to message that. Um, but they know that the coverage doesn't connect with them, and they know that they don't like it. They might not be able to understand the why of it, but they understand the what. And so I think the impact is just more about worse coverage than it is about one guy's reputation faltering, uh, is my read on the situation. Yeah, I think it was you who made the point. It's like you, you turn on a football, you know, game, pregame, not that I watch a lot of it, but you know what? They're talking about football. You know, how does this defense stop Mahomes? They're talking X's and O's. You, know, you turn on basketball, and again, I don't watch a lot of the pregame coverage, the studio shows. I think the ESPN pregame one is really kind of falling off. But yeah. anytime I do watch, it's a lot of drama. Who's unhappy? Who should be traded? Whose legacy is what? It's almost like the basketball has taken a back seat, and you wonder, yeah. you know, long term, you know, what that means for the league. It's become more like a transaction league than an actual basketball league. Yeah, and people aren't that into it. I think they were to a degree, and that's maybe why NBA coverage at ESPN went in that direction because for a while it was. Fun, and this is going to be the 365-day-a-year sport. It's not just going to be the basketball. It's going to be whether some guy gets on your team, and that's going to be anchoring your interest. But, you know, there are diminishing returns, right? And it can get too much. And if you shake things up enough, uh, sometimes these sports learn the wrong lessons from the other sports, right? The NBA looks at the successful NFL, and they go, well, what do we need to do? Do they cut the amount of games? Not necessarily. They take in replay review as though that's what's making the NFL successful. I feel like the NBA looked at soccer because Adam Silver is obsessed with soccer. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world and said, well, they've got all these transaction windows and guys are changing teams all the time. Maybe that would be good for our league. Well, I, as somebody who is a very casual fan who would be happy to watch a soccer game between Barcelona and Real Madrid, but doesn't really know much. I find it harder to track soccer now. I find it harder to know who's on what team, and I don't seek it out as much. I think that's what's been happening with the NBA, that that wasn't really the explanation of why that of why soccer was popular. It was more of a bug than a feature, and I feel like the NBA has, observed, has absorbed this bug where guys are changing teams all the time, and that's the coverage, and all it conveys to the fan is that these players don't care at all about the teams they're on and that it's difficult to follow, and what the fans really want are situations like the aforementioned Warriors. You said eight years ago, 
they came upon the scene like they did. That's a long time to have the Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson core. That might be part of the explanation for why the Warriors and their local TV ratings are more than twice what the second place team is. So maybe the lesson is that some continuity is what you need. Focusing on the game is what you need and not this weird transaction game that they've been playing and trying to sell to the public. The public has received it and the public has sent it back. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think it reverses though? Is there, you know, the proverbial toothpaste back in the the uh, the tube, whatever the expression is? Do you think it goes backwards? Do you think? I just don't know where this is headed. Yeah, they've got to figure it out with the CBA. They've got to add incentives uh, that actually matter for guys staying with the same team. But yeah, it, it's difficult because once it's revealed that the noble lie is indeed a lie, that these players don't care about the teams they're on and they don't care about the fans who support them. I don't know how you can recalibrate. I mean, maybe there's a way to really impress upon these star players that they are partners and they are ambassadors. Michael Jordan felt like an ambassador of the NBA and it mattered to him. But Michael Jordan was part of what built the NBA. And now these guys in the NBA are the recipients of the work that he and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird did. And they're making $40 million dollars. And I don't think that they have that same sensibility. Um, it starts with trying, though. It starts with understanding you have a problem. I think the NBA might be there right now. But I always say it's easier to hit a target if you aim for it. I don't think the NBA has been aiming for it. And maybe now they're going to start trying. Do you think part of this is, you know, Stern not in charge anymore? I, I always wonder, you know, if Stern were in charge, how much different things would be. Is that something that's crossed your mind? Yeah, I, I do think that Stern has made strategic mistakes. It's easy because he's dead and he's not in charge anymore for us to say, oh, he would have done everything right. But he did provide firm leadership. He did provide a sense that somebody was in charge. I almost feel like maybe the theme of this podcast is learning the wrong lessons. Um, Adam Silver might have overlearned certain lessons from his arrival on the scene. What was the big moment for Adam Silver? It was when he took over and immediately thereafter you have the Donald Sterling tape leak out where he's saying all kinds of crazy racist stuff about Magic Johnson and other things and everybody knows he's been a sleazeball forever and Adam Silver has a press conference in the playoffs and he announces that Donald Sterling will be banned for life and it echoes and hanging curveball for him hanging curveball yeah hanging curveball but hey a ton of rapturous applause, all this praise. What lesson does Adam Silver learn from that? Well, he learns that you've got to do what the players want and you've got to be on the side of social justice. Well, yeah, that's an element of why people liked it. But they also liked it because somebody was in charge. There was a sense that somebody was in control. There was a sense that if somebody out there is creating chaos for the NBA and acting like a bad actor, that they will be ousted and that you are the guy running things that lesson he didn't really learn he just learned the part about the players and social justice and it just seems like he's been a doormat there ever after and there are these situations where he should actually provide a sense to the fans that there is a, a hierarchy that somebody is in control that there is a structure and he's not doing it. Uh, ben Simmons got fined, right? Uh, Daryl Morey was out there hardcore saying that we can bench him forever till we trade him. Why was Daryl Morey saying that? He was saying it because behind the scenes, the NBA was saying, hey, 
punish this guy however which way. We've got your back. If it goes to some sort of uh, arbitration, mediation, uh, you know that we're on your side, Daryl. So just go out there hardcore. We have your back. Okay, you know, that's cool by the NBA. They did it because if Ben Simmons got his way, um, or obviously got his way, then it would just nullify any sense of a contract for any player. It was existential to the NBA. But my question is then, why wasn't Adam Silver out there at his press conferences representing that view? It's one thing to say, hey, Philadelphia, we're really pissed at this guy. This can't happen. You be the bad guy. But they weren't be comfortable being the bad guy at the NBA. If it was David Stern running things, he would be at the podium saying, I'm sorry, but you have to show up for work if you're making over $30 million or however much Ben Simmons was making. Um, you know, you can go, you can play in Australia for all I care. You've got to be at work showing up if you want the money. We're a simple league that way. Like he would have actually been saying it. Instead, Adam Silver was going, oh, it's a you know complicated situation. And da, 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 da. Just be a commissioner. That's all That's all that would, uh, all you need to do sometimes. It seems like Adam Silver has abdicated that role and retreated to the shadows. And I don't think that's good for the NBA. Yeah, I heard uh, Gilbert Arenas, he was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast a couple of days ago talking about the uh, the gun incident. And he said he sat down with Stern and he kind of challenged him. He's like, what did I do wrong? How do you know that you're my guns? And Stern said, okay, you want to fight me on this? If you fight me on this, I'm going after your NBA contract. And I know for a fact you have $88 million on, on left on it. So yeah. if you, you want to fight me, you can fight me or you can take the 50 games that I'm giving you. And Gilbert Arenas said, all right, I'll take the 50 games. Yeah, yeah. No, people were scared of Stern. And, I mean, this is a tricky one, but – Teams were scared of him in part because they didn't know how his refs would operate. They knew that refs would get points of emphasis. So if you want to fight him, if you want to be a coach and you start questioning certain things, uh, A, you're going to get fined. B, you don't know how you're going to get refed. And hey, he was a bit of a dictator. Not everything he did was right. But there was a sense, again, that there was a Caesar who was in control. And right now the NBA just feels like a lot of chaos. And I think the former is better than the latter. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, direction of the Knicks. You, you had a great post uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Clutch runs the Lakers, CAA runs the Knicks. Uh, just, you know, do you think this is a good thing for the Knicks, a bad thing, or just kind of a necessary thing with, you know, Leon Rose, uh, World Wide West running the Knicks? What direction do you see this going? How do you, you know, if you're a Knicks fan listening to this, uh, you know, how should they feel about, the, you know, this whole arrangement? Well, I don't think they should feel great, but they should probably view it more as a symptom than the disease because, when you look at these situations, I call it the agency model. What became hot in the NBA was the agency model, where teams would ally with big agencies and they would work in tandem, hopefully for the benefit of both. And it worked out momentarily for the Lakers with Clutch, right? They get LeBron James, they get a bunch of Clutch guys on the roster, and they get Anthony Davis. Now, it hasn't worked out of late, but you can say that without a line with clutch, the Lakers don't get that bubble championship. So there was an argument for it. But why does the agency model happen? I would argue it happens because you have weak and sometimes dumb ownership. And these weak personalities are good targets for agents and agencies who say, hey, I know how to run things. Sometimes it works out like in Goodfellas where they bust out the restaurant and burn it down. Um, but hey, that's, that's how it happens. So I just look at the Knicks situation as 
it's not a disaster that you've got a bunch of CAA guys in there. You know, something that dates back to, I, I think, Carmelo Anthony and before that when they missed out on LeBron where they really went in with CAA. But it is illustrative of the dynamic of Dolan not really knowing what he's doing and just trusting somebody else to run everything without much oversight. I think it's similar with Jeannie Buss and the Lakers, frankly. Um, and so I just look at it less as it's a problem that CAA is in there. Uh, to be fair, they don't have a ton of players on roster. They used to have more players on roster, although Thibs is CAA represented and as, as the coach and uh, obviously, as you said, Leon Rose and World Wide West. I, I just look at it more as you trust agents to uh, run your team when you don't know what you're doing because they are typically the not, not the best suited people to do it. Bob Myers, I think, um, helped this trend along of hiring ex-agents, but Bob was never an agent at heart. He didn't like doing the job. It wasn't in him. He just wanted to get in the basketball by any means, and it didn't suit his personality. He's a very introverted guy. So I think that he was kind of a special case. And if you're taking the lesson from the success of the Warriors that you need to get a Bob Myers, uh, maybe you need to get a Bob Myers who has his exact personality traits, but hiring agents, I just don't think works out for a lot of these teams. Yeah, do you think that this ultimately lands the Knicks their superstar? Let's face it. I mean, we know we could talk about this league, you know, a million different are you talking, ways. Are you talking about Zion? Is that what you mean? Anybody, yeah, Zion. I mean, would you – I mean, the Zion story is, is a fascinating one. Yeah, I guess you could take it any way you want. Well, Zion is CAA, obviously, and has uh, has batted his eyes at the New York Knicks, and his career right now is in a really bad spot. But maybe the argument is that – hey, he doesn't want to be there, and if he joined the Knicks, uh, he would be happy and he would flourish. And maybe that's what he needs, and maybe it's good that he's killed his trade value in some respects. Yeah. Not killed it, but he's made himself less of a hot commodity. Yeah, I mean, that has been something the Knicks have wanted for a while. Uh, they, they've wanted Zion. I think that was kind of the idea that the CAA connection might net them Zion, and it's been complicated by Zion's injuries and bouts with the weight. But, yeah, that's the that's the one that everybody's kind of watching and waiting and seeing what's going to play out. What team is Zion on in two years? I'll go with the Knicks. Really? Okay. That's what is that guess. package? I have what no idea. What does that package look like? I just like? wanted to be – I wanted to I, I wanted to raise eyebrows, right? I don't know what team he's going to be on. I don't know what the package is going to be, but that's – hey, you know what? You know what uh, philosophy I'm going with right there? Get all this out. Get all this out. Just leaving the part where he says Knicks. <laughs> I would say where there's a will, there's a way. That's That's what I would say. That is my theory. The package, I don't know. Yeah, I have one of my friends who's a Knicks fan talking about it. He's like, well, I don't want to give up Mitchell Robinson, and obviously they can't have Barry. I was like, what do you want him for, two twos and, like, I, I mean, Grimes? I mean, what, what is – I don't know what you expect. Yeah, well, you know, then then that's when your friend leans on the weight issues and the injuries and everything else. Right. But, but hey, everybody knows that that guy, if he's healthy, is a, yes. is a force and a legitimate superstar, and that's something that they have not had in New York in a long time. All right, I got to ask you about this. I'm going to ask you who wins the title, but before that, uh, 2019, you report what? Durant's going to go to New York, and then he, in a press conference, comes at you a little bit, uh, maybe even more than a little bit. I can still hear him in, in my head saying, you know, his tone was worse than the words. 
I think his quote was, this guy Ethan Sherwood Strauss comes in here and just gives his opinion on things, something along that line. It's good, brand, that it's good, brand, it's good branding, you know? It really was. I mean, you reported he was going to New York. Obviously, you got cool. that one wrong. As we all know, he signed with the Indiana Pacers. Oh, no, he didn't sign with New York. Well, to be fair, uh, to be fair, I, I said that um, he was avoiding – I didn't say he was going to New York. I said he was avoiding uh, the press at the moment when uh, the Knicks opened up cap space, and he ended right. up uh, – going to the Nets it seemed like that was a lot of that was a, a Kyrie influenced decision but the basics of it was that he was out of here which everybody knew in Golden State and weren't necessarily openly saying so I think I was one of the first people to say hey this guy this guy's gone now it was scary because it was all I was hearing but it, the, the decision re remains in one guy's mind right so uh right. he, he could have really he could have really maybe looked bad if he wanted to continue playing for the Golden State Warriors um but uh yeah I mean it was uh it was a tricky it was a tricky situation it was I felt like I was more empathetic to him afterwards because I had never really been in the news and I'm just watching first take and I'm watching uh, these TV shows and they're debating whether I'm good at my job or not. And it's, Oh my God, this sucks. This is what these guys go through. Oh, this is terrible. No, thank you. I mean, it's great that they make so much money, but, but mentally, psychologically, uh, this is, this is a rough, this is a rough situation. So, uh, that was one of the takeaways I had from the whole, uh, Durant saga. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't even, I talked over your question. I'm not even sure what the question was, but I started talking about the whole thing. It was a crazy, it was a crazy few days. Do you think now, again, I'm pr probably asking you a question. Maybe you know the answer to this. Maybe you don't trying to, you know, put you in his position. Do you think his intention was to go to the Knicks? And I've heard that, you know, he wanted to go to the Knicks, but he got such bad intel. Remember they traded for DeAndre Jordan, yep. hopefully hoping that was like a recruiting tool. And then DeAndre Jordan reports back to Rain's like, dude, you can't come here. It's a disaster. Mm. Do you think there's some truth to that? Well, also Dolan was talking all loosey goosey. Uh, was it on the Michael K show about all these guys that they were getting yeah. and, it, it, a little bit of loose lips sink ships, it seemed, right there, where he – but that would be just perfect, wouldn't it be, if that's why the Knicks couldn't get this free agency haul because Dolan was out there puffing his chest, talking about how it was locked up and it was a done deal. Um, yeah, I I don't – look, there are the rumors. Uh, people think it was Kyrie-led. I know that there's a sensitivity to that if you're KD. I know there's a sensitivity to that if you're – uh, Rich Kleiman because they want it to be that that Kevin is making all the decisions. But yeah, there are whispers, there are rumors. People in the league think that it was Knicks before it was Nets. Uh, ultimately, that particular, how all of that played out, I don't think I'm an expert on, but I would love to read somebody who does a deep dive on it. Yeah, still strange to me that he's on the Nets, that he picked the Nets. Kind of, you know, anyone who's in this area knows, I mean, the Nets and the Knicks, it's not even a comparison. Uh, you know, the Knicks, I, I don't even know what I would compare it to. The Knicks, the Nets could be in the yeah, finals yeah. and the Knicks hey, would be looking way, for... New, yeah. York State, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, it's like... Yeah, we're just gonna keep your star uh, locked right. out of home games. Uh, we don't care. He's, it's the mandate. He's violated. Oh wait, the Yankees—they're unvaccinated Yankees. Oh, okay, okay. Band-Aid dropped. Mandate dropped. Mandate over. It's over. I mean, it's just so clear that the city apparatus does not care about the Nets versus the other teams. Yeah, uh, we can get into that for a second before we get you out of here. Uh, do you think that was? And a lot of people around here think it was Cohen wielding his power. Uh, a lot of people, like you said, the Yankees aspect of it. What what made 
that decision, you know, it's long, look, it's long overdue. I think we all kind of agree with that, but what made this decision happen now? I think it's, it's baseball matters in New York, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a baseball city, uh, which is odd for somebody like myself who grew up in San Diego where, yeah, the Padres are there. I mean, they're, they're now the only team there, but it's not like baseball is a religion down in San Diego, but in New York, it is followed. Baseball is like as popular as it was in in 1984 in New York City. It's it's a different thing, and especially the Yankees. So I think if you're Eric Adams, yeah, it was cool to go mano a mano against Kyrie Irving and to to have that fight because people don't really care about the Brooklyn Nets. But all of a sudden, as the New York City mayor, you're the reason why potentially Aaron Judge isn't going to be playing at Yankee Stadium. You can't have that. You might get beat in a primary. So I, I think that's maybe it was Cohen behind the scenes. But I think a lot of it was you can't be seen as the person who made baseball worse in New York City. That just can't be what you're doing as mayor. I know that's not public health. I know that's not uh, what people want would determine the decisions, but you'd have to be naive to think otherwise, I think. Right. And even Durant was outspoken. I think it was, it might've been that Knicks game a couple of Sundays ago where yeah. after the game, he's like, this is ridiculous. Like he basically is an employee. He's uh, <laughs> you know, he's a coworker of Adams. Very fa fascinating how Durant was outspoken about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, another issue where maybe Adam Silver should have spoken up instead of just being a weather vane, but whatever over now. All right, we're talking with Ethan Strauss. Uh, again, check out his Substack, houseofstrauss.substack.com. Read his book, The Victory Machine, The Making and Unmaking of the Warriors Dynasty. All right, one more before we get you out of here, Ethan. Who wins the title? Oh, I'm, I, I want to make my, my guy Ben Thompson happy. Let's go with uh, the Bucks. Once you win it, it's easier to win it again. Wow, uh, they're back to they're, back. They're an afterthought in, in many respects. Uh, let's, let's go Bucks. Plus six fifty. Are you taking any of your Substack money and, and taking Bet Rivers up here on the plus six fifty? <laughs> or is this just hypothetical betting? Is betting you, legal where you are? Uh, in California? No, maybe I it's drive not, out right? to maybe I drive out to Tahoe. Although you can okay. always you can always you know post a, a digital bet out here right. in California. I mean, I don't like futures betting. I like betting on a game. Uh, so okay. I'm I'm gonna keep my money for now. Okay, so the Bucks plus six fifty. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. It's funny they might draw the Nets in the first round if they're the two. You know, all these teams, I think they're going to race to get out of the two, maybe even out of the one, so they avoid the Nets. Again, we don't know if the Nets are going to be the seven or the eight, uh, but it's going to be kind of comical this last week or two. Teams running out of the the one and two spot to just avoid the Nets. My Bucks aren't scared. They're going to take okay. them on. You got to beat the best to be the best. Remember they did that last year. I forget who it might have been the Bulls on like a Saturday night game. I remember the line moved six or seven points because everyone assumed they're going to rest people so they don't have to play the Heat in the first round. Remember they lost to the Heat in the bubble. The Heat yeah. were a much tougher matchup than whoever it was. And they played all their guys. They said, we're not scared of the Heat. And they, they buried the Heat. They won that game. And uh, they went on to win it all. They obviously had, they had some fortune along the way. So, you know, it's always fascinating. These teams maybe don't think about it the same way, you know, us as betters yeah. or us as fans think about it. Yeah, well, that's that's the heart of a champion right there. Back-to-back -back champion. Ethan Sherwood-Strauss, appreciate it, man. I've been, uh, been a fan of yours for years. Thank you for coming on again. Check out all his work at his Substack. Read his book. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ethan Sherwood-Strauss for coming on. Enjoyed that. Fascinating conversation. I uh, really appreciate him coming on. So uh, check out his Substack. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy the games. Plenty to watch this weekend. Uh, as we whittle down, by the time we talk to you on Monday, we'll be down to the final four here 
in the NCAA tournament. We'll root for St. Peter's. Not sure, uh, not sure they get it done, but we'll root for them. So uh, exciting weekend action ahead of us. A lot of games, a lot to watch, a lot to bet. We'll talk to you guys Monday. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.